Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I am your host, Justin Lamb. This is episode 28. Uh, my guest this week is Megan McIsaac. She is a photographer, and I've had the joy and privilege of following her um, her career, her portfolio for, God, decades? Yeah, holy shit. Um, she's uh, my, a buddy of mine's little sister, so I'd, we didn't like know each other, but I knew, um, I knew her work and stuff, the days of MySpace and things like that, and um, watched her kind of grow as an artist uh, from afar, and finally got to sit down and have like our first conversation, uh, which was this interview, and she's got a book coming out and speaks a lot uh, about taking care of yourself and and where she got her inspiration and how she kind of works as an artist behind the lens. A really, really intriguing interview and an amazing person, and I was very excited to sit down with her. It's funny, re-listening, um, well, I'll tell you, <laughs> I'll tell you after the episode. I don't want to spoil anything for you guys. Uh, we are promoting people and things this month, so go out there, um, check the Facebook page for a friend request and find out some other past guests and what they might be up to and get excited because uh, some more interviews that are coming out this month are insane and I'm so happy about all of them. Um, reconnecting with people and meeting new people and uh, I, I've heard back from so many people that I don't know that listen to this and are affected by the stories that you guys share and I really, I cannot tell you how much that means to me. Um, I love you guys. I love how you share your stories and put your vulnerabilities out there and how you've learned from experiences. Um, just so you know, you are helping other people out there that you might not even know like me. Um, it's crazy. So thank you so much. And to everybody listening and sharing this, um, you're doing me a favor. I will never be able to repay. It means the world to me. Thank you so much. If you haven't already, I know I'm asking a lot of people, um, but please do uh, do me a favor and rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcast app. If you're not an iPhone user, um, go to Facebook and leave a recommendation or review on Friend Request Facebook page. Thank you so much. Here's my interview with Megan McIsaac. <laughs> Well, hi. Welcome. Um, Thank you. I don't know if you know the podcast at all. But, yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, please give it the spiel. <laughs> and then I start out, yeah, how I know you, which is funny because like I said, when you came in, like, I don't know, I don't think we've ever like formally hung out. I don't um, think so. I don't I think I've you. ever like had a real conversation with you. <laughs> <laughs> this will be a long first one. Mm -hmm. um, I met you going over to your brother's house yep. years and years and years ago. <laughs> uh, and you guys have, you guys have a pretty large age difference, right? Yeah. He's eight years older than me. Okay. I'm turning 30 this year. So okay. I was, yeah, I was putting that together. Cause I was like, I think you were in high school when mm. I would go over there. But, um, and that's about it. And I mean, I followed you online for a number of years, like since the MySpace days, I mm. think. <laughs> uh, cause you, you kind of spark two things that fascinate me. Um, because I'm a creative person, mm -hmm. and so other creative people, I'm instantly like, oh, what's this person doing? Right. Uh, and then you also share a vulnerable side to yourself online, mm -hmm. which also fascinates me, uh, <laughs> hence this podcast. Yes. Because um, I think, like, sometimes that takes in a level of bravery and security that people don't have, which is funny because, I mean, in my own experience, 
it's, I'm very insecure about the vulnerabilities I put out there, but it's, <laughs> I feel the same way. I think everything's kind of a catch my too like that. I yeah. mean, <laughs> what are you going to do? How, how else do you handle all of your insecurities and things other than broadcast them for the whole world to see? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but if we can do it, we go back in time. <laughs> You're born. You have an eight year old or brother, eight years older. Yes. And then how and then much older is younger? Steve. Older. No, Steve is a year and a half older than me. So okay. I'm the youngest. I'm so you guys baby. are real close. Yeah. You and Steve are. Yep. Um, how long are your parents together after you're born? Uh, they were together for about 10 years after I was born. Oh, okay. Like 25 years in total. But they got divorced when I was a preteen. Okay. Um, what's it like then growing up in your house with your brother who's close in age and... I mean, we're all pretty intensely independent kids. Okay. I think being raised in a broken family in that way, like our mom worked two jobs and was never really home and our dad is a cop. So he was just always, I mean, besides the fact that he lived elsewhere too, but he was close by, but we kind of always did our own thing. We were all really athletic growing up, but I was the only art nerd growing up. So they, you know, bullied me a lot about that, (laughs) but but it was weird. I mean, I feel lucky in the way that I, I got the most space to myself. Like, Tim was pretty much out of the house by the time I became yeah. a teenager. And Steve was just like Mr. Popular, the jock, like always in yeah. 500 different sports and always gone. So I got the house to myself most of the time. Nice. And that's where I like started doing self-portraiture and making photographs all the time to help ease the boredom. <laughs> well, I want to talk about photography. Yes. Absolutely. Um, Please obviously. don't. I hate talking about photography. <laughs> uh, tell kidding. me about f-stops. <laughs> um, what is that? Uh, before that, though, um, pre-10, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, what what is your household like? Like, did your parents, like, was it a bad divorce? Was it, like, a toxic kind of household? Or it was it... definitely a toxic household. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of it is, like, blacked out of my memory. But, <laughs> but the funny thing is, like, okay, so I moved home from being on the West Coast for 10 years, uh, about three years ago. Actually, exactly three years ago. Um, uh, today's day. <laughs> <laughs> almost. But uh, when I moved home, I didn't really think about how much it would be opening up all the old wounds of my childhood and yeah. my past. And it's actually been a really amazing blessing of like being able to go back into my roots and kind of untangle everything. But a lot of what I see of my like early, early childhood was just like deep isolation on my part. Like yeah. I was so stubbornly a loner and I found photography when I was five, six years old, which saved my yeah, life. Really? Huh? Very young. My my grandpa was a photographer, (laughs) like a hobby nature photographer, and he noticed that I really loved his camera and gave me my first camera when I was six for Christmas. Well, that's adorable. It was adorable. (laughs) A little Polaroid camera. My dad got free film from being a police officer because I used it for crime scenes for Polaroid film. So (laughs) he would totally confiscate a ton of Polaroid film for me, and I just took a million pictures every day. But... But, like, that helped me so much because I didn't really have a lot of friends. I grew up around a lot of, like, wealthy kids with families that were together. And it was hard for me to relate. I was very moody and emotional and just a little freak as a kid and still am. But but that was hard for my brothers to deal with because they didn't know what to – I mean, you know, they were older dealing with our parents' divorce and their men. (laughs) And they had their sports and their best friends. And it was just different. But – I was just a big nature nerd. I mean, I spent most of my time, like, 
running through the forests and so swimming like and safe space that was absolutely still is yeah, yeah definitely my safe space <laughs> my like earliest photography work is all like of nature and of our dogs and of myself <laughs> so yeah when did you start doing like self-portraiture mm, from what i can remember i started doing self-portraiture around like 10 years old it's like but, right around when your parents got divorced yeah okay. but i well when they were separate they got separated a few times before they got divorced okay. but yeah i guess it was definitely hand in hand with yeah. the divorce and the separation and stuff but I started doing self-portraiture before that, but I think I started consciously doing it around 10 years old, like consistently and just trying to see what I looked like because I didn't see what everybody else saw and, you know. Well, I wonder, um, I mean, looking back now, approaching 30, <laughs> um, do you think that had anything to do with like trying to figure out your identity? Cause I, I mean, oh, yeah, formative years alone, you're going through that, but then add into like what's going on at home and what you might be thinking in your head. And, For sure. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. I definitely dealt with my identity and just trying to see who I was. And I don't know. It was like I said, it wasn't really a conscious decision until I started to get into my teens or my later mm -hmm. years, but I was just fascinated by it because mirrors in general, weird me out and how different we look from mirror to mirror reflection or reflection or our idea of ourselves in our head like it's so vastly different from like yeah. what actually comes through especially like i loved working with polaroid film back then because not only is it instant but like <sighs> you can't mess with it like you i mean you can kind of but like there's not really any editing like you can't yeah. smooth your skin or make you look thinner or anything well, yeah, like it's... i know like i talk <laughs> to kids that are around the age that i started doing some portraiture at and like they're using instagram and filters yeah. and there's some crazy body modification filters that these 10 year olds are using and yeah. like i'm curious to see how that like if it could be for the best and that it gives them a broader like uh, imagination for things yeah. but because after our our bodies are just sacks of skin but holding a bunch of muscles and blood but you know <laughs> unfortunately that's not how the people think <laughs> exactly so that can, yeah. yeah that's so i'm curious to see how that all that plays out risky line <laughs> it is i mean that's a huge huge part of my photography is that it's based in reality as yeah. much as i am a huge sci-fi nerd and i love fantasy my photography, my own artwork has always been very reality-based because I'm obsessed with seeing things for how they really are and not, you know, projecting myself into everything to that degree of, like, trying to change things yeah. so much. More so, like, my photography is acceptance-based. Okay. So, like, documentary filmmakers, right? Like, mm -hmm. the whole point is, like, you have a passion about that, but also you, like, you can't involve yourself or you kind of ruin it. And I imagine the way yeah. you're describing your photography is kind of the same way. Like, I want to capture this, but I also can't, like, apply my own exactly. stuff to it. It's a weird thing. Um, a lot of the clients that approach me all hire me based on my self-portraiture, which is a really funny thing. Uh, like, I want you to take pictures of situation. someone else, but I, I exactly. you based on this. Yeah, but I want you to photograph <laughs> them like how you photograph yourself. and. It's easier said than done. Yeah, that's of a weird request. <laughs> it is because you know, and able to do that, you have to really like kind of be a psychologist for yeah. people and be a really good listener and kind of not even show them like what they want to see, but just to show them who they really are without all of my projections. As I said before, like it's definitely a difficult thing, and it's yeah. a very fine line, and I don't always get it right, but. <laughs> 
but I don't know. I think it's very fulfilling to try at least. Fair enough. And um, I really like trying to get other people to take self-portraits, even if it's selfies on their phone. I'm yeah. like a big advocate for it because I don't think it's vain. I think that, you know, Narcissus is a, there's a fine line with him too of looking at the reflection in the water, you know, don't fall in, yeah. but it's not a bad thing to look and to be curious and to like see yourself for who you really are and to accept, you know, again, come into acceptance with all of that. Yeah. Um, I, this is stupid, but <laughs> on the note of like taking pictures of yourself, I didn't know. So you can see looking at me, I have, my nose is not symmetrical. Um, <laughs> didn't notice until now. <laughs> I didn't ever notice like for 35 years. Uh, and like last year I, it was some stupid app where it was like mirror oh, app. No. <laughs> and it, so I did that. I was like, and I took it and I was like, that doesn't look right. And so then I flipped it. It was like two sides of the other, like you know mirrored each side oh of my, my face i was like my fucking nose is wrong <laughs> and uh i've had like sinus issues mm. for a long time and so i actually like saw a doctor and like well yeah you have a deviated septum i was like well what the fuck does that mean i thought that was just like something people say when they need a nose job or something nope. <laughs> and uh i have the same problem yeah had no idea zero idea um it's weird what doctors don't tell you because they assume people already know or something just or they assume just, i'm a moron right? please <laughs> yes exactly you'll probably be right so i tell everybody please just assume <laughs> that i'm a moron <laughs> um yeah so i've in medically i found an advantage <laughs> in seeing a picture of myself but no i like i like it's that true. idea um I think there's, I like the old cameras. I like the, there's just a certain feel. I've been going through a lot of pictures lately. As mm. you can see from where you're sitting, there's like childhood crap <laughs> oh, yeah. everywhere. I love it. Um, it's my it's all, biggest inspiration it's therapy is like related, family really. photos. Oh, yeah. nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I've been looking through family photos because like, especially if there's, you know, talking about um, stuff that you like essentially blocked out from your childhood. Oh, yeah. Um, I like looking at those years that I have little to no memories and there's kind yeah. of like, what of this do I know because of this picture and what, what was actually going oh, yeah, on? Absolutely. And that's, that's helpful. a huge part of why I'm a photographer too, yeah. is because my memory is horrible <laughs> and it always has been, it has nothing to do with how much weed I smoke, but, <laughs> but you know, I have a hard time remembering anything and photography yeah. has always been the evidence for me, which is another funny thing because of growing up with a cop for a father yeah. and using fluoride film that was from crime scene <laughs> investigations. Like, I totally see it in that way, and I use all of my photography as evidence to piece together memories because otherwise I have no idea. I can have the most incredible experience, and half the time I don't remember, like, the most vivid facts of it, and I'm yeah. like, damn. But well, at least I have the photos. There you go. We're very lucky to have family photos, too. I've met so many people across my travels that have zero yeah. family photos at all, and no photos of themselves growing up, no photos of their families, yeah. nothing, and... That's my earliest inspiration. Fortunately, both my parents took a lot of family photos and were obsessive about it and huh. did a lot of VHS tapes, too. And oh, those are good. Yeah. Photos are one I thing. I love it all. Getting the tapes. Yeah. Oh, my God. The tapes are hilarious. We have one tape, and it's a Christmas, and I, it's like 95, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I say rad, like, at least 25 times. <laughs> uh, everything I opened. Rad. <laughs> so rad. <laughs> Sign of the times. Um, so you start photography 10 years old mm -hmm. uh well even earlier but, earlier, but yeah <laughs> i mean like started taking it seriously yeah. around what then. what are you what's going on socially the next eight years like before you get out of high school oh 
I mean, still kind of sticking to yourself. Still pretty much sticking to myself. Oddly enough, though, I did like gain some weird sense of popularity in high school, at least because I was just kind of friends with everybody. Yeah. You know, I I really love all groups of people, all cliques and all kinds, and from the goths to the most popular to the punks to whatever. Yeah. You know, I was mingling always, between tribes. Always mingling between tribes, Same. and <laughs> I didn't do so great in school. Like similar to the memory issues, like I. I'm terrible at test taking. No matter how hard I studied for things, the second I got a test, my mind just would go blank. Still does to this day. And, you know, that that caused me a lot of struggle throughout school. So I sought out education elsewhere and started teaching myself a lot of stuff. And I started, like, driving down to Detroit with my older friends, you know, five, ten-year-older friends that now I look back on. I'm like, that's weird that you were hanging out with a 12-year-old. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I got to see a lot of cool shows in Pontiac and Detroit because of yeah. that. Music's always been a huge part of my life, and I started going to concerts around the same age, like what 10 to 12. What kind of shows were you going to? I was going to some, like, Christian rock oh. and, like, some weird like pop punk shows and i went to a lot of pop punk shows. oh my god there are so many back then it yeah. was a blast actually Funny, that that's where i like started doing concert I was photography going yeah shows. probably yeah i started going there was like a weird place called the cca yeah down on yeah. sashaba yeah. i didn't go in there i uh i got try they tried to pull physically pull me into there <laughs> And I, I believe it. They were really out. creepy. And I had like Liberty Spikes at the time. Oh, yeah. And so I was not having it. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel <laughs> that. Yeah. The Clarkston Christian Association. Exactly. Uh, I wasn't even Christian. I just, yeah. you know, was trying to go where the music was and trying music to and find some sense of community. Yeah. I yeah. definitely loved all the skater kids. First guy I made out with was like a <laughs> skateboarder with a giant bright green mohawk. I'm nice. like, you know, <laughs> gotta find your crowd somewhere. Yeah. Hey. But I was really lucky. I had a couple of amazing teachers throughout middle school and high school that introduced me to things like meditation and yoga. And, you know, that that was really unusual for our school. Yeah, that's unusual, I think, for the time almost. Yeah, too. I don't know how it really happened. Like, pop culture. Yeah, there were a couple of teachers that I remember in particular. It was especially when I was dealing with my parents' divorce, like around yeah. 10, 11, 12, like, that's when I started getting really, really depressed and didn't really have anybody to talk to. And my family doesn't believe in therapy or anything. So, you know, photo- besides photography being a form of therapy for me my whole life yeah. and art in general, music too, um, you know, finding yoga and meditation, having like exercises for breath work and things that got me out of my head or just made me at ease with my constant thoughts, those things completely changed my life and I'm really grateful that I discovered them so early on because you know it brought about all kinds of things like whether it was focusing on diet and nutrition as a way to heal your brain like that is very real and like I'm firsthand experience of it and it takes years but it really does work and it's helped me so much I was chronically ill growing up I guess that's another thing I left out chronically ill how mostly a lot of sinus stuff like I had to be on a breathing machine every day oh, when I got home from school until I was a teenager from when I was a baby um wow. I got tonsillitis and bronchitis and mononucleosis so all these things constantly was just kind of fucked totally <laughs> fucked and my whole immune system was fucked growing up and I think in large part that was because my family was so busy so they were always feeding us crap it was a lot yeah. of you know, canned food and frozen TV dinners and, and a lot of processed yeah. stuff. You know, it was a 
big deal when we would get pizza night or to go out to McDonald's. Like that was expensive for our family. Yeah. So that was our diet. And, you know, since I was a little kid, my mom always laughs now because since I was a baby, like I've always preferred vegetables. And That's I think funny. my body is subconsciously always been like, no, <laughs> give me what I want. <laughs> do. Yeah. Do the right thing with health because it, because it matters. And like, if I were to go down the other path, like I get very suicidal and yeah. very just dark in my head and our microbiome and our gut, like really seriously affects that. It's funny. Um, you mentioned gut health cause that's, uh, I can't remember his name ever, but it's a, there's a doctor in California that is like, he does only gut health. Like I've actually called his office to see if I can like, can I spend money to oh, fly nice. out there and do it? Cause I have an autoimmune disorder that I was diagnosed with two years ago. Oh, wow. Um, you're not talking about Mark Hyman, are you? Ooh, maybe. Yeah. He, he's pretty well known. He's like been on a bunch of TV shows and yeah. stuff, but he's all about the gut health and yeah. microbiome and but he's he amazing. Found, he found a way, um, this is an armchair expert, um, mm. podcast, but I was listening to that and he was on it and podcast. Nerd. He had, yeah, he found a way using like gut health and managing what was going in the body um, to essentially turn on and off the genetic marker for autoimmune disorder. Right. And I was like, what? Totally same guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it fascinated me. It's and mind blowing. It's, it's crazy what you can really manage with your body. Right. Just based on what you put in it. <laughs> I know. And it's so simple yet. We really fight that. I mean, that's it sounds huge. simple. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've tried right, to do some stuff. Thing, I'm like, yeah. oh, but it, like, it's so much easier to just like reach over here and grab exactly. this and it's all done. Well, <laughs> we are definitely a whole culture of convenience yeah. and that is what is destroying our planet. That is what is destroying <laughs> yep. our own bodies. Like it's scary, but it's but completely it. <laughs> understandable. I know. I get it. I want the convenience too. It's yeah. hard fighting against that. I mean, that goes back with my photography too, of being a predominantly like analog photographer. I'm yeah. obsessed with old cameras, always have been. Um, like to me, I really find joy in the process and in slowing down because I think my brain works so fucking fast yeah. that I need those things like meditation, like analog photography, like, you know, cooking a whole meal. I cook almost all my meals yeah. every day at home. Like, yes, it takes a lot of privilege and a lot of determination and you know you have to set aside time and make time for these things yeah. and that is not easy but it's absolutely worth it to me like it gives me such a great peace of mind and I enjoy it so much more now yeah it took years and years before it didn't feel like a chore anymore but now it's just kind of who I am and I, I kind of forget when I'm talking to a lot of other people about nutrition or about photography even or yeah. anything where I'm like so used to being in my own way. You guys don't do I don't, this? Yeah, exactly. Constantly. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm sorry. It's funny. Yeah, no, I think uh, my, my wife, thankfully, she has, like, doesn't have any hobbies. And it, like, actually bothered her at one point where she's like, I don't, like, because I, when she's gone or something for work, I'm like, I'm going to do this, 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 this. Sure, <laughs> I'm yeah. record an album and play this video game and do whatever I want. Yeah. Um, and then she's like, I don't have, like, hobbies like that. And then she found cooking as, like, oh, a hobby. Good. And um, she's vegetarian, too. So, mm -hmm. like. She just finds like some really unique recipes and Perfect. I'm not a vegetarian, but I'm like 75% vegetarian. Yeah, so I eat I'm everything she eats. I'm mostly plant-based, but I have a weakness. <laughs> my weakness is if I feel like making something. <laughs> she just makes really good food. Um, my weakness and she is fried chicken. So yeah. Oh, that's good mm -hmm. too. <laughs> that's great that, though. Like, on top of a waffle. And, yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we got to step this. I got to go <laughs> eat some food. Uh, it's true that I mean it's a weird thing like I think women really struggle with having hobbies or like extracurricular activities yeah. 
Um, we were raised so differently. And of course, like the deeply generational, like misogyny of being the one to take care of your kids and everything. Like it's a amazing new era of women finding all these different hobbies, but like cooking is one of the best ones. And sure. You can say that's still like falling into the path of being like a housewife or something, but I'm a deep feminist and I see absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. Like I am the best housewife to myself ever. (laughs) very single but but you know i think it's so absolutely imperative to find hobbies like that that are actually like doing a lot of good for yourself yeah absolutely (laughs) you know because there's a lot of other hobbies out there that just destroy people's lives so and i I mean i think cooking in the way that we're talking about it is also very different from like the 50s housewife absolutely yeah Make your steak and potatoes right. for your man every Completely. night. <laughs> like, the microwave guidebook. No. <laughs> yeah, it's. It, I think it's a. It's a world different. Um, I mean, maybe in subcultures. The second I said that, I was like, but then some people down south have been making some yeah, like, really exactly. good food. Yeah, It's complex. Yeah, there's a lot. But, yeah, <laughs> it's different from region to region. But I We're mean, gonna solve every problem. Exactly. By the end of this let's podcast. do it. <laughs> um, getting back to you. Uh, so you left right after high school? I did, yeah. Like the second I graduated, I moved. I bought a train ticket on a whim <laughs> out to Oregon yeah. and lived so you, in Portland for a few years. You kind of, and I, correct me, because mm-hmm. I, I know this from social media, which obviously we all know, we talked about this on this on this podcast all the time, <laughs> like that image does not necessarily right. mean anything. Um, <laughs> but from an outsider, it always seemed like you have this like kind of bohemian lifestyle. Um <laughs> I do. And you left high school and, and like even that sentence, like, yeah, and then I bought a train ticket and was like, I'm going to go over to the west side of the country. Yeah. And like, it's very, um, you know, pre-internet 70s, <laughs> like kind of find yourself situation that you don't find a lot of people going down that path. Um, yeah, I think that was kind of another thing that I didn't realize was different until <laughs> years later. I was like, oh, wait, you didn't? skip college and travel around the west coast well it's funny because you go out there and you find people that did the same thing exactly yeah Um, especially on the west coast it is different out there like that's what i loved about los angeles is Mm -hmm. uh, one thing was like as a musician i'm like oh i'll never do anything with music because everybody else here does the same thing yeah but at the same time it's like oh everybody else here does the same thing that i do exactly i know it's a weird thing so what yeah what's your what's your life like as a 17 18 year old going out to the (laughs) an unknown part of the country and it was really really rough at first i mean there was a whole month that i was basically homeless and sleeping on the streets and not telling anybody and sleeping in front of churches with my two suitcases and my camera bag and fortunately you know i moved so i moved to oregon in the dead of winter it was january and it was like a brutal winter in michigan which was part of the reason that i was like fuck it i'm buying a train ticket i'm gone (laughs) and i got out there and i didn't know anybody i didn't know anything um it's funny that you brought up the internet thing though because i actually moved out to portland in particular because i posted on my blog at the time a tumblr blog um shout out to my like crazy fan base on there years ago that At least it was no Tumblr, not live journal right oh i That's... did live journal too and Zanga, <laughs> sure don't worry, all of them <laughs> i was like the t- creepy 12 year old online being nice. like i love my live journal but <laughs> but tumblr like kind of got me into portland because i posted a blog saying that i was sick of michigan and i didn't have the funds to go to college and i wanted to move somewhere out west but i didn't know anybody 
And the first few people to respond were fellow artists that were in Portland. And I didn't know anything about Portland, had never even really heard of it. And so that's where I bought my train ticket to because it was cheaper than going to Los Angeles or something. And plus Los Angeles terrified me so much at that point. (laughs) Uh, Portland seemed like this beautiful little Pleasantville. And it totally was. But, you know, like I said, my first few months, they were really, really rough. Uh, The first person I stayed with was, like, totally a drug dealer and, like, had a bunch of girls over all the time. And he was a super great guy. Like, don't get me wrong, but it was definitely, (laughs) like, I don't want to be here. So so I was off wandering all the time, and I would just walk. I think that's where my walking, like, seriously started, besides, like, walking through the woods and stuff as a kid. But living in Portland, it's a really small town, and I think it's like nine miles by four miles or something. Oh, really? Could be totally wrong, but <laughs> it's tiny. So I would walk from my place that I was staying at all the way downtown, like every single day, and that was like a good five mile walk. But I would just walk wow. with my camera and take pictures and meet people along the way, and that's how I ended up getting more places to stay. Like I did couch surfing for six months when I moved there, and then I ended up. My best friend from here gave me a call, and her and her boyfriend got into a huge fight and were breaking up. So I was like, dude, just move out to Portland. I don't got a place yet, but, like, come on here. So we're both freaks, so she did that. Sold all of her stuff and also bought a train ticket and came out. It was I think I was in Portland for, like, seven or eight months at that point. And, you know, when she said she was coming, I was like, cool, not me an apartment. So I saved up. I was working all kinds of side hustles and, like, mostly photo-related. Yeah like working for the newspaper there, like the weekly newspaper and stuff and doing like food photos and band photos and stuff, not making a lot of money, but enough to get by. But then I was able to save up and that was thank God before Portland became the crazy hip city it is now. So I was able to find a cool apartment for cheap and we lived together there for a while. I stayed for three years and worked predominantly as a photographer, had a couple of cool side jobs like at an antique store and Worked at a tea house, which is now like a very well-off tea house that has a bunch of different shops and so popular now. It's so popular, <laughs> but it was great. I mean, I learned so much. Those are my former years. That was my college education was living in Portland and meeting people that I would have never met any other way. And and then I bought an RV. <laughs> Before we jump into that, <laughs> I'm so curious about a few things. Um, Please. So one is, and this is something that I still struggle with, and I'm wondering if this is something that you are the same with. Um, Sometimes, so I've been in a relationship. uh, I've been married for over four years, five years. When did I get married? Yeah, over five years. (laughs) Amazing. Um, We've been together for like 14 years. Um, But the first, like, (laughs) the first like eight years, (laughs) maybe maybe seven years before we got married, (laughs) um, part of me was always like. I didn't want us to break up, but I wanted like, I wanted that heartache. I wanted like, I wanted like a, I know what you mean. the depression. Cause like that drew out so much like creativity. Like there was right. a point where I was like, I'm never going to write a song again because I'm just happy now. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds so stupid. No, I know exactly <laughs> what you're saying. But so I was wondering like when you're essentially homeless, like, was there part of you that's like, oh, my God, I'm going to get so much good photography out of this? Uh, I didn't realize it until later, but, yeah. I mean, I well, now looking back, because I'm, like, generally really happy and grateful now. Not that everything's perfect by any means, but, yeah. you know, I'm extremely privileged, and I'm very happy with 
all my opportunities. But looking back, like those formative years, especially out in Portland, like I was really, really struggling and I made the best art. Like all all my stuff from that, my God, I was just taking photos every single day, all day. Like didn't matter who it was of, didn't matter how bad of a day I was having, nothing. And like now I come up with all these bullshit excuses left and right. (laughs) And I've gotten like this air of pretentiousness of like, well, I've done that already or whatever, you know, like all these little funny quirks of my personality come out that like I didn't deal with as much when I I mean of course so much of that is being young and having the energy and like I wasn't jaded yet only my brain wasn't fully formed (laughs) totally exactly (laughs) but you know I'm I'm really weirdly grateful for all that because even you know again speaking to the privilege like even when I was homeless sleeping on the street like I still had people you know I could have come back to Michigan and like had a safe space like it wasn't like my family disowned me even though we weren't on speaking terms like (laughs) You know, I I had choices and options and I being like a white young girl, like I had opportunities out West to, you know, make a name for myself just because of those little weird privileges that I wasn't really thinking about back then. But the I know what you mean with the struggle and like kind of wanting to go through that. And it's a weird thing. I feel like we as humans definitely choose struggle in a lot of ways, especially white people like we choose struggle to bring out creativity or to bring out emotions that we don't really feel otherwise because we don't have the emotional intelligence to like go to those places without the trauma (laughs) um are you familiar with the enneagram yes yay (laughs) yeah do you know what number you are i think i'm a seven i can't remember i'm a four like i'm i read a four and i was like why do you know me so well yeah (laughs) um but that's i mean that's like right on the line of that too where it's just like you uh experience things like on this emotional level that you're just convinced no one else knows what this is totally. like oh, now um, I wonder but you I also want to be so understood in that level too but yeah. you know it's like impossible but it, it's fun it's really funny that's like everything you're speaking to is yes. describes that um, i love all those forms though like you know mysticism and esoteric and yeah. all that like i love learning about enneagrams and numerology and astrology and you know the Meyer Briggs test, yeah. which is basically the white man's astrology, like all this kind of stuff. Like they fascinate me, and it's not that I like abide by them as if I've they're never like heard my religion <laughs> described as the white man's. They totally are astrology. I love Every it. single white dude is that I've gone on dates with has been like, "So have you done Meyer Briggs?" <laughs> Who are you dating? Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I wonder too if the if you know earlier we talked about not putting yourself in your work like to the point where you're not interfering mm-hmm. and getting things like for what they are but i wonder when you're in that spot if the if you like all that because you were kind of projecting that into your work i'm sure that's part of it um, yeah so i have other questions what is it like being a you were what 18 when you moved out there yes so you're an 18 year old girl in portland <laughs> like uh, by yourself wandering the streets um literally what what is that how is that like Um, did you ever feel unsafe like yes were there i mean what's that there were a lot of instances um but i was also really naive like i didn't because i wasn't really close with my family growing up in that way and didn't have a lot of friends that 
were really close with me like that, just a lot of acquaintances. Like, there was so much that I didn't know about. I didn't know about all the crazy predators out yeah. there. I mean, I dealt with a little bit of it because I've been putting my work online since I was so young. Like, had a lot of creepy stalker situations. Oh, I can't even oh my God, it's insane. But I could do a whole podcast on those alone. <laughs> but. <laughs> I, Can you do that? Because it's actually like a really I really could, idea. yeah. Seriously. I do have a lot of really intense stories that I'm more than happy to share because they're so ridiculous. Yeah. But, but you know, it was really crazy. I mean, I definitely got followed around a lot, especially those early years being 18, 19, 20. Um, when I was 20, I actually started dating somebody that was 17 years older than I was. Wow. And <laughs> that was a whole thing. We stayed together for a few years, and it was an intensely toxic and abusive relationship, and it was just screaming of daddy issues. Is this right around the time of the RV? Yes, it was. Yeah. It was actually I'm right when I... math, right? <laughs> so I bought the RV, and then I... Or I'd met him right before I bought the RV, okay. and then... After I got in the RV and was, like, gutting it and starting to work on the build-out of it, my now ex was all about wanting to sell his belongings and quit his life in Portland because he had been in Portland for 15 years and so he hit was the road with his hot young girlfriend. Point? Yes, he was. Jeez. I know. Isn't that crazy? Like, of course, at that time, I was like, age doesn't mean anything. It's just a number. Like. Yeah. And no shade on any of that shit. Like, it really is just a number, and some people can really make it work. But that particular situation, looking back yeah. on it and reflecting, I'm like, oh, my God, there are so many fucking red flags. It's, I can't believe nobody really said anything. Truly so can't believe that. But. What starts What what starts with this RV, then? You start dating this guy. You have this RV. That What's your plan? You're going to Well, the RV the was or? an idea for, like, a year, even before I met him. Like, yeah. I was sick of Portland about a year and a half into it. It was just too white. After moving from Detroit, like, seeing that many white people around, it was just, like, privilege central, and I was really confused, and everything was getting kind of dull. It was yeah. too much folk music. <laughs> uh, a lot of white man blues. Um I wanted to buy an RV. I'd always had the dream of traveling around like that. Like, our family didn't travel at all growing up. Yeah. Uh, like, our idea of a vacation was our dad taking us to the Ramada in, in Pontiac for a night. Um, <laughs> it's really making up for lost childhood Exa experiences. Oh, yeah. We loved that shit, though. Timmy and I were just talking about that. My brother and I were talking about that recently about, like, you know what? Like, as horrible as that is now to us, like, we had so much fun. Yeah. Like, we made it work. But, you know, the RV thing was just always a dream for me. I actually wanted to just buy, like, a... Well, I did buy a 1980s station wagon Mercedes that was so dope. And I love that thing. But then I saw a friend of a friend was selling this RV. It was, like, the same week that I bought my Mercedes station wagon. It was like, fuck, I want that RV. It looks like a straight-up cartoon car. Like, it okay. was blue and white striped, a 76 Toyota Dolphin and had dolphin decals on the side of it nice. and it was like this cute short little i think it was like an 18 foot long rv it was like straight up just a box on the back of a pickup truck and i had to have it <laughs> and this friend of a friend and her daughter were living in it and they like traveled all over and made it work there was a little kitchen set up inside yeah. and a little bathroom i ripped out the bathroom and put like a self-composting bucket in there instead and because, you know, glamping and <laughs> had a four four burner stove, which was awesome. That was hooked up to um, propane okay. and built the bed was built out up on top of like the pile, the seats. So I crawled up there. But um, so I'd always wanted to live in an RV and just travel the country because I had never really seen so much of the country. My yeah. idea was to make a giant 
loop around the country and like go south go down to la go down to texas go across the south which i still have actually never really been to the south other than texas i've never been to the southeast it's so weird i'm going to florida next month though i've been to florida because my dad i've never been there yeah going for the first time soon but to louisiana mississippi (laughs) alabama georgia i've never been to any of those that's crazy yeah me neither i don't really want to but (laughs) 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 but yeah i mean the rv was just a big dream for that and like in theory i was gonna make a photo book and like work you know side gig freelance gigs the whole time i was doing the trip and then ex-boyfriend wanted to join that was actually the best part of our relationship was being in the rv believe it or not we lasted in the rv together i think seven months total on the road and then got to la and people come in to for stay. seven months and you just got to la it was insane dude <laughs> so we Portland stayed to yeah we months. stayed in northern california for so long yeah. and san francisco for a long time his mom lived in san francisco so okay. we were parked out there for a while like out on the water went into the forest into the redwoods got to la and then stayed in the rv still in la for like two or three months before we decided to get an apartment there but it just sucked us in but it was wild. I mean, highly recommend to anybody, never do it with a partner. <laughs> but even though the part wasn't that bad, but yeah. like I would totally do it again alone. Not in an RV though. Yeah. Would do it in a van next time. So it's more discreet. But never really had any issues with cops or anything. Yeah. That's um, like an irresponsible fantasy of mine. Yeah. No, it's like, it's so much age, easier like, oh, than you think. Well, no, but that's the <laughs> thing is like so much easier than you ever think it would be. Yeah. Granted, of course, it's easier for me because I am a freelance artist and yeah. don't have the nine to five. But I don't know. I'm just a big travel junkie now. I'm very nomadic. It's yeah. I'm I think I fight the fact that I am like such a homebody because when I am home, I'm like sucked in. Yeah. <laughs> And I can't leave. And I love, I'm such a Susie homemaker. I'm like, I will cook and clean and. That's comfortable, right? Exactly. Yeah. I love my little nest. I mean, astrology aside, I'm a cancer, which is like born in July, very maternal, very homemaker. Like I have my shell that I like to retreat into. And that is actually me to a T. But I think that's why I have always been obsessed with travel and being nomadic because it gets me out of there. It gets me out of my shell and forces me into the world. And I love that. Like, that's where I thrive is like those unexpected moments and traveling and being a road dog. Um, specific LA stuff. They'll probably cut out of this because no one cares. But where in LA did you live? I So when we first moved there in the RV, we lived everywhere just to see what neighborhood we wanted. Yeah. Ended up settling in Koreatown for a while oh, okay. off like Western and Third. Basically. So you were like downtown. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, so I did Koreatown. Then I did downtown. Okay. Did, did what year DTLA was this that you got for to a year. LA? I got there in the beginning of 2012. That's very weird. To circle back with all this, I think that's like part of what's kept me going, especially with photography. Not the celebrity interactions, but like just the happenstance of meeting people that are amazing. Yeah. All the time. Like even when I was a teenager shooting concerts and stuff in Detroit and Pontiac, like I found myself in so many situations like and that part hasn't been jaded for me at all. It's like since I was so young, I somehow find myself in situations and in shows or whatever with really amazing remarkable people that inspire me and influence me so much that like that's kind of been something that just feels like I'm you know on the right path or something of just like well okay now I get to photograph this a wonderful person and half of the time I don't know who these people are when I even meet them even in LA with the celebrity shit like 
I don't really watch TV. I didn't really grow up watching a lot yeah, of TV. Yeah. I don't listen to the radio. I don't like watch E News or anything. Like <laughs> I didn't know who half of the people I was Nor meeting was. Yeah. And that really worked to my benefit because a lot of the people that I was hired to photograph in LA, like I didn't know who they were. So I was asking genuine questions that had nothing to do with like yeah, yeah. their movies or their records or anything. Well, so and you captured them instead. Exactly. Of the and image. they love that. I mean, I've kept in touch with so many random ass celebrities because yeah. they were floored by how I received them and didn't push them for autographs or talk about only their career or whatever, yeah. you know, but it's a funny thing. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, it's, nice to get to know people on a level that's they're probably not used to exactly like a lot of, yeah. i know a lot of people once again podcasts i listen to too many but right. <laughs> that's a, a lot of like shared uh complaints i don't want to say complaints and I, I know a lot of people are like i have billions of dollars i really shouldn't complain about anything <laughs> but like the fact that i can't go to a grocery store because yeah. people are all over me and stuff and so when people have a genuine interest outside of like their celebrity essentially yeah just seeing them as a person yeah I imagine that's much more appealing. Yeah. Um, also, so you, doesn't work to my advantage sometimes because sometimes people really want to be treated like a king or queen, and they didn't want. Didn't you see blitz, Rambo? Don't you like, know? Like, what I do am? you mean you don't have a makeup artist? <laughs> like, what do you mean you're 37 and you don't know how to do your own makeup? But. How dare you? <laughs> um, how long are you in LA for? I was out there for just under six years. Okay, and that was where you were at before you came back to Michigan. Yes. So, what's the rest of your LA time like? Um, it was wonderful. I started a community out there called Inspired Women of LA. Okay. Uh, I started that in t 2013 and that still to this day is a huge part of my everyday life. Uh, nice. there's now over 30,000 women involved Wow. and it's a basically like underground guerrilla style, uh, network for creative women to, you know, set up events and meet and greets and like have a uh, underground way to get each other's contact information for all kinds of jobs across the whole industry in LA. That's cool. And so much of my final years in LA was setting up events for that. We did at first monthly events for it and then had to do seasonally because they got so big, which was wonderful. Yeah. But, you know, I, like, moderate an online forum still for that and still, like, pass off the torch to people that it start, started up in a bunch of different other cities around the world. And I've given them, like, full guidelines on how to create something like that and how to do it safely and how to do it intersectionally so that you're included, you're very inclusive with all people and yeah. not just, like, another rich white girl club or something. Yeah. But. Um, so that was a huge important part of my life in LA and that's like in large way what brings me back there so often for work and stuff too. But another wonderful thing is that I was very fortunate to meet this wonderful comedian and musician named Reggie Watts when I was in Portland still actually, like right before I left Portland, we met through a mutual friend who said that we needed to be friends because he knew we would get along. Second, it's we met. Like slightly dangerous because you're like, I don't know if I trust him. I know. <laughs> exactly. Oh, truly. I didn't. I had no idea who he was. I'd never yeah. heard of him before, even though he was kind of famous then, too. Like, didn't know who this dude was. And when he showed up at my house, he literally hid in my RV. And I, he texted me that he was there, and I stepped outside my apartment, and I didn't see anybody standing there. And I, I went to text him, and then I see my RV bounce a little, and I'm like, what the fuck? And I go and open the back door, which I had left unlocked because I was working on it that day. Yeah. And Reggie is standing there with his afro taking up the entire, like, skylight. And I took my first photo of him, and then we've been, like, inseparable best friends since then. But That's really funny. 
he's a hilarious person that was a huge part of my LA life. You know, I was lucky to follow him around to all of his concerts and he works on the late, late show with James Corden as their band leader. And I got to go to CBS for that and spend a lot of time around his crew, just making photographs and kind of just being the wallflower and letting him stand out and do all that stuff. And I imagine you're very comfortable as the wallflower. I love being wallflower. Yeah. (laughs) Just double checking. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you mentioned in, when we talked yesterday about self-care yes. and kind of how all this ties together. Um, can you speak to that as far as yeah, I mean, going back, obviously, to the beginning and yeah. how that's intertwined through, through it's now? It's definitely been intertwined in my life since a very young age. But, um, you know, it took me a while to realize that self-portraiture, which I've been doing since I was a kid, is definitely like therapy and self-care for me. Yeah. And it's not about taking pictures of myself to manipulate and edit and, you know, hate on parts of myself, which definitely does happen sometimes. <laughs> but it's more of, like I said earlier, like looking at myself in a reality based yeah. <laughs> sense and just accepting myself Um that led me to see a lot of things, just like you saw your nose. <laughs> and I thought it was <laughs> the most symmetrical nose. Like, Please never reference that again. <laughs> every, every, but that's the thing is like every single one of us has so many, like you're lucky that it's just your nose or something, you know, like every oh, single I mean, one of us has. if you want to just pick each other apart, I can go <laughs> right, for I know. quite a while. Well, that's the thing is like every single one of us has so many weird things about our bodies or about our insides that, you know, most people don't really notice or... Yeah. Or maybe it's just something that we struggle with a lot. And, you know, self-care has and self-portraiture in particular has been a huge way for me to combat that and to deal with it in my own ways and to see stuff that I might not have noticed otherwise. And, you know, that went hand in hand with nutrition for me of like, why do I always feel like shit? Why do I feel so tired every day, no matter how much sleep I get? And so much of that was nutrition based and exercise based. Like the more energy you put out, the more you receive back in. And, you know, I believe in that. And, you know, has that ever crossed a dangerous line of like, oh, God, yeah, I've become obsessive with it for sure. (laughs) I imagine just combining those three things like diet plus uh, self-portraiture plus exercise <laughs> like you can plus living in LA yeah, a lot of Spain, people can go America. down yeah yeah a very dark hole I definitely <laughs> went down the dark hole of like exercise like where I was jogging you know a few miles every single day obsessive about my plant-based diet and my getting my supplements in obsessive about like my style and how I was presenting my armor out to the world and all that stuff and obsessive about my work. So I was just keeping myself too busy all the time. And that's, you know, what led to my burnout in LA and part of why I moved back. But that's also weirdly part of self-care is pushing yourself too far and learning all these different levels of yourself of like where you can get to. And that takes a lot with acceptance too, of like not seeing these things as bad things, you know, like, most of our country, most of our world suffers with everything from eating disorders to suicidal thoughts to like self-sabotage, all these things. And we don't have to look at them as this like, I'm a broken person, like I'm never going to make it out of this. Those feelings are completely valid. But if you get to a place of acceptance that it's not a good or a bad thing and you realize that we are all one and that everybody deals with some variation of this thing to some degree, like it helps you just be able to take the next step into healing and to chill out. (laughs) I definitely have like some kind of hypertension disorder or something. Like I'm always like just 
Rylan like got too much on my mind trying to do too many things and I exhaust myself constantly and annoy most people that I'm around but (laughs) (laughs) but you know again like self-care in all of the many facets of it has helped me so much so much more than anything else in my life and you know especially most people that can't afford actual therapists regardless of what kind of therapy it is like I highly encourage just digging into these different different alternative methods of like nutrition or art or something else that you can channel it into where you're actually seeing yourself realistically at the same time have you found yourself able to maintain more positive relationships when you're taking care of yourself oh my god absolutely yeah Yeah. i mean it's the times where i ignore the warning signs of like suddenly i'm feeling a little bit more exhausted today or just like i'm the moodiest person ever and (laughs) if i ignore these moods changes then i tend to get bottle it up and you know become an explosive (laughs) and it's hard it's like you really gotta pay attention to all the subtle signs and also trust and understand that by doing subtle things like even if it's five minutes of breath work a day even if it's going for a walk every night after dinner literally for five minutes like it it, over time will make a huge impact on your life and it doesn't have to be a whole thing of like i need to go get a gym membership and go to the gym every single day and get a nutritionist and do all it's like no literally if you just like drink one fucking smoothie a week or something like (laughs) it's not going to change your life but like it's definitely going to make an impact and help you more than you realize that's why i try to explain to people um when i say i go to the gym yeah i fucking walk on a treadmill and i do it because i my job changed and i sit at a desk all day Mm -hmm. so i'm not on my feet anymore and people like that's stupid like no it's just walking like you don't realize it until you don't have it anymore. Exactly. Like, it's get, literally the key to health is walking. Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy. It's <laughs> low impact. It keeps your breath in flow. Yeah. It regulates your blood pressure. Like walking is everything. And like, that's a huge part of my life too, is walking meditations. I know I brought it up a few times, but yeah. like to me, that's my, f- I've tried so every type of meditation. those two, I'm curious about what that is. So walking meditation for walk me. walk into something. There, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, walking meditation for me is being really intensely aware of your posture of every step that you take of your breath while you're moving and just all of your senses like it's like a hyper awareness exactly yeah like really paying attention to the sense that you smell or your vision or how the light is affecting your vision or how things feel or touching things like i love hugging trees i'm totally that hippie because (laughs) scientifically it actually does provide you with like grounding sensations because it is connected into the earth like it's a real thing and it's actually really good to practice but yeah i've heard many studies where like just putting your bare feet mm-hmm. on the ground, on the ground for yeah. like however many minutes a day is that's again yeah. that's like all these little subtle tricks for self-care like yeah. that's what my whole life is about and what i advocate very for. holistic it's, yeah it's yeah. just like holistic subtle self-care because it actually does like make much more of an impact than we realize and most of the time when we try to do these like extreme things as you know as everybody points out like we falter on them like we go back to the old ways that we were because yeah. it's hard to keep up with that momentum but when you build it up over these subtle ways over time, and I mean, like, years. It took me years uh-huh. to, like, get these things to feel natural for me. Like, it really changes so much. It's crazy. Yeah, habits are hard to form. Mm-hmm. <laughs> once, once you get into them, though. Yeah. Well, and then you find joy in them in different ways, too. Yeah. I mean, 
how many times are you so grouchy and force yourself to go to the gym and just walk or something like, yeah. and it completely changes your mood. And sometimes it doesn't and that's okay too. <laughs> like I've, I've also had so many days where I'm like, okay, I'm going to do all the things. I'm going to go for a walk or a jog. Yeah. I'm going to do my stretches. I'm going to do my breathing exercises. I'm going to take some pictures. And why do I still feel like shit? <laughs> like, yeah. My friend Stacy's a big horrible. advocate of going outside every day. Mm-hmm, like, even if too. it's, like, five minutes, like, I know Michigan sucks, but, like, you're not yeah. going to die. No, I torture my friends going out to shows. Even the other night, like, my friend was yelling at me because he actually has nerve damage and is very sensitive to temperatures and stuff. And, you know, I'm such a little bitch. And I'm like, no, we're going to go stand outside even though it's 20 degrees outside because I need some fresh air because it's important for us. And you actually get more oxygen when it's this cold out. Yeah. And, like, it's literally vital like deal with your coldness <laughs> yeah. my favorite time to be outside this is stupid um before i said it, i was like no this sounds stupid um, but i'm gonna say it anyway no uh when like a lot of snow dark so it's nighttime a lot of snow and it's just like if you're by yourself outside it's just so quiet oh my god it's such a good that's not stupid it it's feels so like, nice even and though soft it, even if it's quiet. cold it can't be windy though <laughs> no exactly no um, there is like a really special sound quality to that yeah, i think that's actually very, one thing only my like music calming. nerd friends have pointed out is yeah. like it's so calming it's so quiet it yeah. creates a softness to oh, the, yeah it muffles all yeah, the noise exactly a it's car like could being go in by a soundproof just, room it's yeah. like yeah it's this nice little mellow car noise so nice yeah Anyway, I don't know. Unlike now where it's super slushy out and everything's yeah. loud. <laughs> yeah. Slushy, loud, and windy. So welcome to Michigan. Yeah. Uh, so what's next for you? You want to promote anything? <laughs> <laughs> well, right now I'm working on my first book. Uh, it's oh. actually based in self-care, and it's a, a album of my self-portraiture from the past decade and poetry and you know, like essays that I've written alongside the photographs. Nice. But hopefully I'm hoping to release that by my 30th birthday, which is in July. Um, we'll see because I'm self-publishing, but yeah. if anybody has money, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm working on a lot of things. I, yeah. <laughs> I funded an album on Kickstarter. That's amazing. That is, I remember that. I actually got I your album that way. There you go. I totally sent you I money. I forgot uh, about that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that was my greatest accomplishment. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is realizing, like, no matter how much of a loner you are, there are people out there that want to come through for you and support you, even if they've never met you before. Like, podcast is crazy. Thank God for the internet. Like, I'm, you know, it's definitely a tricky situation, but I love the internet. When used appropriately. (laughs) Yes, exactly. There's a lot of amazing people out there, and I am a big believer that there are way more good hearted people that want to support each other out there than there are not but yeah i mean i'm working on that book and i don't know i'm trying to play more music actually i I grew up playing guitar and singing and started hating my voice after playing with people that were actually really talented (laughs) fuck those people well they were amazing (laughs) and supportive fuck my insecurities because i should not care at all you know and they were people that you know that was their main focus and they they played music since they were kids and yeah. practiced every single day. Whereas just because I've played music since I was a kid did not mean I practiced every day because I was obsessed with photography. But I love writing. I'm an avid writer. I've been keeping a journal and writing multiple pages a day since I was the same age as I started photography since I was seven years old. Wow. Six, seven years old. And you have all of them? I do. It's Isn't terrifying. I actually <laughs> burned a lot of it. That's oh. another fun story. But <laughs> a lot of fun stories. There's a I'm lot so, of repetitive it, shit that I just had to have a big bonfire, you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I uh, I have all of mine from 
I think I started when I was like 15 or something. Mm, I remember, and, nice. Uh, I love them. I go back to them. I do too. I love looking back yeah. at that show. It's so funny. <laughs> I have like a concept album I want to make where, because I found a bunch of lyrics that I, I was like, you know, when you're a teenager, you feel stuff so oh intensely. Yes. And so that's like all those lyrics are from that. So I, I want to make a whole concept album, like songs I wrote in high school. Ah, do it. Because um, I'm way better at guitar now, but I'm yes. still, still terrible at guitar. But, um, <laughs> so that, that was actually what I was getting to is like, I am still terrible at guitar. Yeah. Like I love playing. I love noodling around, but I'm like, I don't yeah. know. I still play the same fucking six chords over and over again. Like, I don't I've know. been doing that for th- 20 years (laughs) i think that's a that's a powerful thing too is realizing that even brilliant musicians even the fucking beatles like often were playing the same fucking chords over and over again in different arrangements and i'm like okay well it's so funny i mean and i'm sure you saw this a lot when you were in uh everywhere you've been but uh one thing i noticed and didn't really appreciate until i was older but the people in los angeles and even the people here like the musicians that i'm like god these people are so fucking good i realized like that's because they're disciplined about it. Exactly. And like, I am not. Like, Me I will neither. go, I'll go months without picking up my guitar. Same. And I broke are, a string months ago and I still have it. <laughs> You're like, well, and I, I guess I'm to. done I'm now. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a sign. That's really funny. <laughs> been there. <laughs> been there. Because especially if you don't have strings, because oh then you God. have to like plan a trip exactly. to go buy some. You're like, this is never going to happen. Uh, I don't have 20 minutes to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Relatable. Um, <laughs> Where, what website? What is your website? Just my name. It's MeganMcIsaac.com, okay. like MC Isaac. MC Isaac. <laughs> and Megan Isaac. spelled the normal way. Yeah. No I'll extra letters. I'll put a link in Do there. it. But no yeah, extra I mean, letters. always working on art stuff, always down to collaborate, yeah. looking to photograph more people in Detroit. So if anybody wants to do a photo shoot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, did we not cover anything you want to talk about? I don't know. I feel like we rambled on pretty good. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for coming over and sharing stories with me yeah happily anytime <laughs> don't say that i'll have a... this is the three-parter i um, mean you didn't even get me with caffeine in me we'll see <laughs> should have brewed that <laughs> i had like an americano before you came out oh god so many i would just be like <laughs> all right you just listened to my interview with megan mcisaac you can check her out at MeganMcIsaac.com. Um, you could spend forever there going through her, her photographs, and you can order prints. Uh, it's, it's really, it's, her work is remarkable. It really is. And I'm excited for the book she has coming out. And like she said, if you want to book any sessions, uh, you can reach out to her through her website as well. So check that out. Um, what I was going to say at the beginning of the episode was, <laughs> I listened to this when I was editing it, and... I have like a billion more questions for her. So Megan, if you're listening to this, can we schedule a second interview? Because after listening to this, like, uh, there's a bunch of stuff um, that we didn't talk about that uh, came to me as I was listening to this. So, so many more stories, I'm sure. And hopefully we'll get together again sometime in the future. Uh, But thank you to her and thank you to you for listening, especially if you're still listening. Do you guys often listen to me yabber on at the end of the episode? share my opinions on things i hope you do otherwise i'm talking to nobody um i do want to get a feel for something um you know i pay monthly to have this podcast hosted uh it's i mean it's not like a bill i worry about or anything but it'd be nice if we could uh break even but i really don't want to put ads in the podcast yet uh we're at the listenership where we can do that but i really don't want to do that um i think it could break up like some really intimate moments in the middle if I just throw an ad in there. So I was thinking about doing a Patreon because that's voluntary. 
and maybe have some bonus interview content in there. What do you guys think? Let me know. And thank you again. Thank you. I love you. I hope you're doing well. Reach out if you want someone to talk to. I'm always around Facebook Messenger. I'm on the road still, so I have more interviews coming up with some absolutely amazing people um, in Chicago and Cincinnati. And I just got back from Indianapolis where I had an interview that kind of floored me. Someone that I didn't even know that I knew. If that makes any sense. <laughs> but I'm really excited to release those, and those will continue to come throughout March and into April. Thank you guys. Find out what your friends are doing, support them, and I will help do the same. I love you. I'll see you next week. <laughs>